Well, hey there, and welcome to the Saints Church Glory Hills podcast. We're so happy that you joined us today. Whatever you're doing, wherever you are, we believe that God will speak to you through one of our pastors today. Let's jump in. There are a few times a year that really get to me emotionally, and probably appropriately so, but uh, Good Friday and Christmas, um, I I really can't help but dive deep into the, the question of where would I be without Jesus? Because we know even with Jesus and understanding his grace towards our lives and what he's doing on the inside of us as we follow him. And as believers, we, we celebrate Good Friday where the world is like, that is insane. Like celebrating a day where, you know, basically it looked like it was over. Celebrating the, the death of a person. Why is that so important to you? And it's because we know it, it could have been or it should have been us. And the grace of God and the love of Jesus comes. And on Good Friday, we get to not only reflect on the power that is behind Jesus' willingness to go to the cross, come to earth, become a man, walk out his Father's will so we could have relationship with God. It's amazing. But what I really want to do today uh, in the next 10 minutes is just leave you with a few thoughts about Friday. Because... We're going to move into Sunday and we're going to talk about the power that is in the blood of Jesus and the work of the cross and, and, and the resurrection and those things. But uh, I really felt this morning that there are just a few thoughts I want to share with you about Friday that we should as believers take, hold on to, carry in our hearts um, that will really help us uh, keep our focus where it needs to be. And in Matthew chapter 26, uh, verse 36, it starts out like this. Says then Jesus brought them to an olive grove called Gethsemane, and he said, Sit here while I go on ahead to pray. And he took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he began to be filled with anguish and deep distress. He told them, My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and watch with me. And he went on a little further and fell face down on the ground, praying, My father, if it's possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will, not mine. Then he returned to the disciples and he found them asleep. And he said to Peter, couldn't you stay awake and watch with me even one hour? Keep alert and pray. Otherwise, temptation will overpower you. For though the spirit is willing enough, the body is weak. And again, he left them and prayed, my father, if this cup cannot be taken away until I drink it, your will be done. Then he returned to them again, and he found them sleeping, for they just couldn't keep their eyes open. So he went back to pray a third time, saying the same things again. And this time he came to the disciples and said, still sleeping, still resting? Look, the time has come, and I, the Son of Man, am betrayed to the hands of sinners. Up, let's go, be going, for my betrayer is here. Now, if we jump over to John chapter 18, the story continues. And he sees Judas and the religious leaders coming into the garden at night. And verse 4 starts like this, says, Jesus fully realized all that was going to happen to him. Stepping forward to meet them, he asked, who are you looking for? Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. I am he, Jesus said, and Judas was standing there right with them. 
as Jesus identified himself. And as he said, I am he, they all fell backward to the ground. And once more he asked them, who are you looking, searching for? And again they replied, Jesus of Nazareth. Verse 8 says, I told you that I am he, Jesus said, and since that I am the one you want, let these other ones go. He did this to fulfill the statement that I have not lost a single one that you gave me. Then Simon Peter drew a sword and slashed off the right ear of Malchus, the high priest's servant. But Jesus said to Peter, put your sword back into its sheath. Shall I not drink from the cup that my father has given me? And this morning, I, I, I look at the story and I look at what Jesus is walking through. They go to the garden. They have the Last Supper. We just partook in communion. Uh, and they go to a place to pray. And he brings James, John, and Peter with him a little bit, maybe to a, a, a quiet place he knew and he had in the garden. He said, come pray with me. Uh, come help me walk through this grief. I'm feeling the weight of it. Sometimes I think we forget going to the cross. Jesus was fully man as well. He faced the human emotions, the anxiety, the heaviness. He's like, I just need some friends to pray with me. I know this doesn't change what my father is going to ask me to do, but I need to know that you see what God is showing you, and, and will you pray with me? And he goes a little bit deeper into the garden, and, you know, when they meet the, 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 the religious leaders and Judas comes to the garden, we, we sometimes look at this, and well, why were they sleeping? Couldn't they pray? Well, it's probably after midnight by this point. It's probably actually Friday when they start to pray in the garden. Because they would have had that meal on the Thursday evening. They would have been around the table. All those things happen. They go out to the garden. Often as Jesus would do, he would withdraw to pray. And, and so he takes the three with him to pray. And it's getting late because it's in the middle of the night when they come to arrest him. So they would be able to bring him before uh, the high priest and Pilate. So they could get all of this done on Friday because they needed him on the cross before the Sabbath. And Jesus says, before this all happens, I need to pray. And one of the thoughts I want us to lean into this morning is this, is that when it gets dark, we really need to learn to watch and pray. As a church, as a people of God, there are things that will go on around us. We will see the weight of what the world is bringing down. We will feel the weight of things. And there are moments that while it gets dark, we, like the disciples, grow very weary. And it's often in well-doing. It's in a lot of things. But Jesus is trying to teach them a lesson here. The reason he wakes them up, the reason he rebukes Peter Peter, why are you sleeping? Couldn't you watch and pray for just an hour? Because what had happened previously, Peter swears on his life that he will die for Jesus. He declares his uh, audacious faithfulness to the Son of God. He's like, nothing will ever sway me. And Jesus says, I know in your humanity, you're going to get tired. You're going to get weary. And if you let that be the driving force in your life, if you don't learn to watch and pray, your spirit... He's not talking about the Spirit of God in them. He is the human spirit. It's so willing to do the things of God. But often, like we see in the, the letters in the New Testament, the flesh is at war with the Spirit. And that weariness and that heaviness, we don't always handle it the way we want to or wish we could. But Jesus is saying, if you would learn to watch and pray, 
doesn't always change the things that you have to go through. He went to the Father with such intensity. Other uh, part, parts of Scripture say that he would, with such uh, anguish, he sweat drops of blood. With the emotion, with the grief, with the, the travail he had in his body while he cried out to his Father. And yet he says in all of this, Father, I'll do what you want. And I believe that there are times where, like the disciples, the last thing on our mind is, God, in this situation, what should I do? I'm so weary. I'm so tired. I'm so broken. And he would say, if you would get your spirit into the presence of God, if you would learn to watch and pray, it may not change what you have to go through, but that communication with the Father, the communion with the Father, by the third time, Jesus gets back to the disciples. He doesn't even ask them why they fell asleep again. He had spent time with his father and he had resolved and knew this is the direction we're going and God is with me. And I'm going to the cross. And often we, we come back to this place where we wrestle and we struggle in our humanity. But I believe Friday shows us that we need to really be as the people of God, those who watch and pray. When things get difficult, when we don't understand, church, I would tell you, Jesus would say, watch and pray. Get into the secret place with your heavenly father. Get into the place where you hear his voice. Because you will have to go through some things. We will have to face some things. But Jesus went first and he showed us the way through it is to watch and pray and get into fellowship with our father. The second thought that I want to share with you about Friday is the fact that often when we're worked up and we're overwhelmed and we're kind of getting excited and how are we going to make this happen and make this work, uh, Jesus doesn't seem too phased or frazzled by any of it. And I think it's because Jesus knows what he's doing. How's that for a thought for Good Friday? When we face the heaviness, when we see the things, when we see all the stuff around us, we, we want to, like Peter, we want to rise up. We want to figure this out. We want to fight. And Jesus just keeps moving forward one step at a time. Why? Because he knows what he's doing. And all throughout Scripture, we see that from the very beginning of the Passion Week, the very beginning of Easter week, when we see Jesus make his way into Jerusalem, when he gets on a donkey and he rides in and they're shouting, Hosanna, glory to God, Jesus knew what he was doing. He knew where he was setting his face towards. He knew that he was going to Jerusalem and he knew what was going to happen. He even knew that when he told the disciples, go into the town over there, you're going to find a colt tied and just untie it and start bringing it to me. And if someone asks you what you're doing, just say the master has need of it and they'll let you go. That's basically like me saying, go into Spruce Grove, find a nice car on the lot of the dealership open the door, get into it, get it started. And if the owner of the dealership comes out and says, what are you doing? Just say, oh, the master has need of it. I'm like, master who, right? And the disciples, like they're going into these moments with Jesus and they're seeing what's happening at the cross and this is not what they pictured and not what they thought. But in, in the moment, they forget that Jesus, from the moment he sent them to get the donkey, to the moment he rode into Jerusalem and he said, it's time. I know they're after me. I know they're going to kill me. I know the people are going to turn on me. But I'm going to go. 
And he prays. He weeps over Jerusalem and he comes in and they prepare the supper and they go to the garden and pray. He, all along the way, he knows what's happening and we get to the garden and when the, the people come, even at the Last Supper, this thought blows my mind. I was talking about this this week with a pastor friend. We do communion and sometimes we get so worried about who's taking communion with us But Jesus served Judas communion. (laughs) The table was a place to say, no matter where you are and what you've done, my grace, my blood, my body will be enough for you if you would put your trust in me. These communion moments are the greatest moments of declaring the salvation of the Lord for people who don't know Jesus in our church services. They point to the very reason why we gather and who Jesus is. So Jesus, in the supper, he serves communion. He knows what he's doing. He knows where Judas is headed after. He sees them coming in the garden. He knows what they're there for. And, they, and then he asks them this question, who are you looking for? So that's maybe what made Peter act out. It's like, well, maybe Jesus is upset. Maybe he's worried about this. Jesus is like, no, I'm just trying to see what these guys say. And they said, we're looking for Jesus. And the minute he says, I am he, they fall backwards. Because this is the I am statement. This is Jesus declaring, you're going to know and everyone's going to know. But just so you know right now, I know that I am who I am. I am the son of God. I am called in this moment to go to the cross to do this. You wouldn't have power over me to arrest me, to take me where you want to take me. If I did not give up my own life, if I did not lay it down. And often in our lives, I, I think we come to these places where we, we don't understand and we don't know what's going on. That communion with the Father in prayer and coming back to a place to say, okay, Lord, I am not God and I wrestle with you, my humanity, but Jesus, if I'm following you, I have to trust that you know what you're doing and you know where you're leading me. And often when we reflect on the cross of Christ and the the moments leading up to his crucifixion. I think we need to dive back into these truths that we're called to be those who watch and pray. We are called to trust that Jesus will lead us one step at a time if we would surrender our hearts to follow him and be obedient to what he says. Yet, even in the midst of that, Peter jumps up, cuts the servant's ear off, And Jesus says, Peter, put away your sword. And I actually just hear the Holy Spirit saying to some people in some situations, just keep following me and put away your sword. Because we're trying to take out a sword and, and swing at a whole lot of things. But Jesus is saying, no, no, Keep your ear attuned to what I am leading you in. Follow me. Go where I want to take you. You don't need your sword for some of these battles because I am going to do what I want to do and he will make it happen. So we need to be a people that watch and pray. We, we need to be those that know that Jesus knows what he's doing. And I'm going to ask the band to come back up and to close this morning. The last thought I have for Friday to remind us of is this, is that Friday's failures don't have to be final. Friday's failures don't have to be final because Friday was just the beginning. 
Fridays pointed to a Sunday. Fridays pointed to a resurrection. Fridays must happen so we can get to the place where God brings new life and His life into the things that He wants to do, not only in the earth, but in our own lives personally. The truth of the matter is, is the reflection on Good Friday and asking that question, Jesus, where would I be without you? <laughs> That's a scary one to ask. Because I don't know you like you know you, and you don't know me like I know me. And if we really look deep inside, we know that without Jesus, my gosh, I don't, I don't want to think about where I would be. But let's not get so introspective because some of us have that personality that we go, oh, but God, I, I really would. Like, I, I'm so grateful for your grace and, and I really would be so lost without you. But then the enemy tries to turn that and says, yeah, but remember you did this and remember you did that and remember you were stuck in this. Maybe you're still struggling with that. And, and in the midst of it, when we're trying to come in a moment like this and set our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith, the enemy would try to sneak in and say, you don't deserve this. And the truth is, no, we don't. But thanks be to the grace of God, I am covered and I am the righteousness of God. But yet the enemy tries to speak in your ear and say, but remember this, remember that. Maybe, maybe, maybe you think it's okay and one day you're going to wake up and realize that that was too big of a shortcoming, that was too big of a failure, that was too much and, and God just wants to be done with you at some point. My friends, it's not the gospel. When we keep coming to Jesus, our, our Friday failures don't have to be the final answer. Peter cuts the guy's ear off. Peter swears he'd never deny Jesus, does it three times. Peter starts swearing it like a 10-year-old girl around a campfire to prove that he doesn't know Jesus. And he goes fishing. Mark closes off his gospel and in this portion of scripture saying, and one of the young men was so frightened they grabbed a hold of his cloak and he just took off and ran away naked. I was like, Mark, you wrote the book. Your name's on it. We know who you're talking about. They all had those moments where they fell asleep or they ran away or, or they feel like they let God down. And we have those moments too. Where our weariness got the best of us. Where we feel like, God, I couldn't live up to what I wanted to because I so desperately wanted to do those things. But in my heart of hearts, I know that I'm weak. And God, I'm growing and I'm trying. And, and it's like God's grace is just keep coming close to me because it's enough. Fridays aren't final. They point to a Sunday. They point to a resurrection. They point to a place where we live a life that we could never accomplish or achieve or step into on our own. But because of the grace of God, because of the resurrection of Jesus, we live a life that we don't deserve. We are a new creation. Jesus' death completes the work and it points to Sunday. It points to resurrection. Jesus was raised first. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it says this. It says, And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of all your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ who are lost. 
And if your hope in Christ is only for this life, we are to be more pitied than anyone in the world. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, and he is the first, everyone say first, he is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. This is where the gospel gets real. When we place our faith in Jesus, Paul said it later in Galatians chapter 2.20. He says, I have been crucified with Christ in the life that I now live. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We don't have to live circling the wagon of all the failures of Friday, of all the shortcomings that we did, but we do have to choose how we're going to die. And Paul says this Christian life is one where we kind of say it, we follow Jesus one step at a time, but Paul wrote it this way. He said, I die daily. It means every day, every moment, every time I'm feeling inadequate, insignificant, I come back to the throne of grace. I come back to the place where I say, Jesus, today I choose to die to my failures, my shortcomings, my sin, my emotions, and I choose to live in the grace and the resurrection life of my Savior. Why? Because Jesus went first. And if Christ is raised, there is not an area of your life of your sin, of your shortcoming, that he cannot come and cover and bring his life to set you on a path to freedom in Jesus. Come on, church, let's stand this morning. Hey, thanks for joining us today. If you have any questions or are looking to get connected in any further way, head to saintschurch.ca and we would love to meet you.